0: Praise the Lord. Today I'm preaching a message called The Stand. And if you are not used to being here, uh, we have sermon notes for you in the bulletin. You can take those out at this time. And we are going to read from Ephesians chapter 6. Yes, this is the armor passage, the armor of God. Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. "...and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that the utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains." that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will teach us today what it means to stand for you, to be faithful for you even amidst the attack of the enemy. I pray, Father, that we would not be hearers of your word alone but we would become doers of your word. May we observe what we learn today and put it into practice in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, we are we are so blessed at Christian Heritage to have salvations almost weekly here. There might be three services throughout the year where people are, do not make a commitment to Christ, but on most Sundays... People are born again here at our church, and it's wonderful. So that means we have new believers. And as I was praying for many of you, I was praying for new believers, and I was naming the new believers before God in prayer. So if you're new here and you're a new believer, your pastor's praying for you. All right, so as I was praying for our new believers, the Lord said, you you need to speak to them. You need to tell them about the armor because the enemy is going to come and attack them. The enemy is going to come against them. And you need to teach them from the word of God how to stand against the enemy. So that's what this message is all about. So the first thing we need to know as we are going to follow Christ is this. You have an enemy. So new believers, you need to know this. You have just entered a battle zone really pastor i thought this was a pretty nice church yeah it's it's not the church that's a battle zone okay it's the spiritual world in which you are living you have just removed yourself from darkness and when you said yes to christ you have put yourself in light and satan's a poor loser he sees that. He once owned you, controlled you, and now he wants to take you back. But, but, but listen, he's, he's sly. He is not going to jump on you the moment you make a decision for Christ. He's going to wait a few weeks. He's going to give you a little bit of time to get lazy. Are you listening? He's going to give you a little bit of time, and he's going to go set traps for you about three weeks down the road. About four weeks down the road. About two months down the road. For each one of it's different. So that you don't see it coming. So that you are completely unprepared for his attack. But you're not unprepared because I'm telling you. Right? Right? You know what's going to happen. You have just entered a war zone. And you have the enemy of your soul which is Satan. B.C., BC around here means before Christ, okay? Before Christ, you weren't even aware. You weren't even aware that Satan controlled you, but he did. And he preyed on your selfish weaknesses, pitting you against your spouse, pitting you against your children. And as I said, you weren't even aware of it. And instead of apologizing... To your spouse and children. And making amends and healing the relationship. Satan fed you anger. And pride. And stubbornness. And he gave you a tongue like a whip. That lashed and slashed. And shredded. The very people you loved the most. But when you confessed Christ. Write this down. When you repented ...of your sin... ...and you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life... ...the scripture says you were born again. It was like Jesus... ...of course, not like he came into your heart... ...but it was like you could see... ...for the very first time... ...and those strings... ...those, those holds that Satan had on you... ...the Lord cut! He set you free from the enemy... I want you to imagine a puppet whose strings have just been cut. Ugh. Right? But instead of falling down as a lifeless lump, God breathed the breath of life into you. And you became a living being with the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. And now you can see, you can discern between the good and the evil. Amen? That's exciting. I know you're not very excited, but it's exciting. All right, we got to wake up a little bit. That's exciting. And, and, and God pulled the blinders off of your eyes. And, and as it were, it made you alive. As If we were talking in relation to Pinocchio, you would be, have become a real boy. I'm a real boy, right? The blinders are off and you're free. You're able to discern both good and evil, okay? Now, there are two influences. And I want to talk about how Satan works with our flesh... And the Holy Spirit of God, excuse me, God works with the Spirit of God, which is in us. Write this down. Satan wants to destroy you. And so he's constantly catering towards your flesh. And we have to be aware of that. So how can we discern between our fleshly and sinful nature and then our spirit man? Well, I guess the way that I would explain it is like this. Selfish. Write that down. That that key word is selfish. The thoughts that we have that are selfish are not from the spirit. They're from the enemy. Okay? So listen to Philippians 2, 3. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish." ...ambition or conceit... ...we know what conceited means... ...let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit... ...but lowliness of mind... ...that simply means humility... ...but lowliness of mind... ...let each one... ...esteem others... ...as better... ...than himself... ...God wants us to look out... ...over our... ...whoever we're working with... ...whoever is in our lives... ...God wants us to esteem them better... And he doesn't want us to lean towards the selfish nature that we have. But the enemy is going to work with that selfish nature. Selfishness is not from God. Anything that causes you to fight for your way, okay, is coming from your flesh. And Satan is kind of egging this on. But write this down. Selflessness is from God. Selflessness. Is from God. So I'm going to give you an example. Satan is going to come to you. And Satan is going to say this. Oh you just need a little more rest. Just sleep in a little bit. Okay so Satan will say this to you. Not only on Sunday. He will say this to you on Tuesday. And Wednesday. When you're supposed to be getting up for your devotions. He's not going to say this. Satan's really sly guys. Satan doesn't say skip your devotions. You don't need them. Skip the Bible. He knows that that would put up flags. Oh, 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 no, I don't want to skip my devotions. So Satan just says, oh, don't you just need a little more sleep? And traditionally, we yield, don't we? Yes, I do. I do. And, and so we, we, we sleep through our devotions many, many times. We sleep through church. Not right now, but like we stay home and sleep, okay? Satan is working with your flesh. He's not going to say to you, skip devotions, skip prayer. He's just going to say, you need sleep. He's going to cater to that selfish nature. All right? So write this down. Satan attempts to influence your flesh, but the Holy Spirit's working with your spirit man. So the Holy Spirit of God is influencing you, guiding you by your spirit man, and he is the one who is saying to you, yes, go, go to church. Yes, worship God. Yes, read the Bible. Forgive that person. Stop yelling and degrading. No, no, you don't need alcohol. No, you don't need drugs. No, no, that, that's how the Holy Spirit works. But something we need to know about the Holy Spirit that's going to actually help us discern between flesh and spirit is this. The Spirit is not going to manipulate you. Satan will manipulate you, okay? That's his deal. But the Spirit will lead you to do something good and convict you. Now, here's, this is my experience. This is not from the Bible. This is my experience. Most of the time, the Spirit's leading is through suggestions and ideas. And usually, they're quite vague. Write that down. They're quite vague. So let me give you an example. If you're a new believer... The Holy Spirit will lead you, usually with just one word sentences, church. He'll just put that idea, church, in your mind, okay? He'll he'll say Bible. Now listen, if the Holy Spirit says Bible to you, he doesn't mean lay it on your chest, all right? Yes, I need to hold my Bible, pastor. Really? No, you don't. You need to... Read your Bible, okay? So when the Holy Spirit says Bible, he doesn't mean set it on the dashboard, okay? He means read it, right? So that's how the Holy Spirit leads us, and it's usually just one word. Forgive, right? Why does he do it like that? Write this down. Because he wants us to follow him by faith and your will. And your will. He wants you to serve him because you love him. Satan, on the other hand, caters to your fleshly nature of selfishness, revenge, stubbornness, wrath, envy, coveting, and unforgiveness. And he usually gives us a lot more detail. If this person says this to you, then you say this and this and this back to them. This is how you can really get them. This is how you can really embarrass them in front of everybody. Isn't that how the enemy works? Satan also does this. Let's say you're running late for work. You're running late for work and you're you're late, okay? The enemy is saying, just tell him you got stuck in traffic. You got stopped by a train. You got stuck behind a school bus. I'm sorry, I wasn't feeling that well. But the Holy Spirit will just say one thing. Truth. Tell the truth. And that's how we can know. Who this is, who's leading us. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. Verse 12 teaches this, that the battle is not with our spouse. It's not with our children. Teenagers, listen to this. The battle is not with your brother or sister. Though we think that it is many times. It's not. The battle is not with the mean girl in homeroom who makes fun of you and embarrasses you at lunch. The battle is not with the antagonizer at work. The battle is between principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the unseen world. Amen. And if you get lured into an argument with someone at school or teenagers at wo- at school or adults at work and you start belittling them and you start degrading them and you start mocking them that is of the enemy it is not of the spirit of God and Satan can begin to put his hooks back into you he can begin to control you that's why we are to resist the devil amen and to resist that nature the apostle Paul gives us the secret though to winning the battle against spiritual forces He says this, put on God's armor. So we're going to talk about this spiritual battle. The exhortation is to put on the armor and then stand against the enemy. Hmm. Wait a minute. I'm going to put on this armor and then I'm just going to stand there and take it? Is that what's going on here, Pastor? I'm going to put on armor And then Satan's going to just throw a bunch of fiery arrows at me. And I'm just going to stand there and take it. Hmm. You may be getting somewhere. Verse 13 says, take up the whole armor so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And when you've done all to stand, stand. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. But I want to talk about the armor right now. Let's talk about truth, the belt of truth. What is, or how can truth protect us? Well, in order to understand this, we have to look at the opposite. How do lies hurt us? How can lies hurt us? Well, write this down. Lies are traps from the enemy. They are traps that the enemy sets. If you are talking, adults, if you are talking to your children... You would tell them, don't tell a lie, because if you tell one lie, then you're gonna have to tell another lie to cover up that lie. Is everybody with me? You have to tell a lie, and then you have to tell another lie, and then you're gonna probably have to tell another lie, and pretty soon your lies are spiraling out of control. How does the truth protect us? Okay, think about this. When you tell a lie it begins to ruin your reputation. Do you see that? You see how truth protects us? When you tell lies, it ruins your reputation with those that you work with. When you lie, you become untrustworthy. When you lie, you're listening to the devil rather than the spirit. Again, he can tie you up. He wraps his strings around you and he can begin to control you again. But telling the truth protects us and keeps us out of Satan's traps. Write this down. Character, not brute force, wins the battle. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Doing the right thing compared to doing the wrong thing. Righteousness means also right. Standing with God. I want you to think about some of these examples. If somebody is screaming at you and calling you names... ...it's very, very difficult to stand there while you're receiving this abuse. But the scripture says this. Don't retaliate. Don't return evil for evil. But do the right thing. I I know what I'm telling you is very, very difficult... Okay, I'm not telling you this is going to be easy, but the Spirit will give you strength if you listen to the Spirit. If you listen to the enemy, everything's going to fall apart, okay? Everything's going to fall apart. So how do we, how do we put on righteousness? Write this down. Righteousness means finding a place to serve compared to not serving. Righteousness means going the extra mile by helping others compared to getting out of work. Righteousness means doing right things, okay? But righteousness is even more than this. I want you to think about this right now. Is the music that you listen to righteous? Now I'm not talking about surfer dude righteous. okay? And that's not what kind of righteous I'm talking about. I'm talking about true righteousness. Is the music that you listen to righteous? As I was putting this sermon together, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to talk about that. Ask yourself, is the music that you're listening to, is it righteous? Choose righteousness over the profane and over the immoral. Don't Let immoral music influence your righteous mind. Feet fitted with the gospel of peace. What does this mean? The best way I can explain it is like this. The key is preparation. Preparation. You've heard this before. Idle hands are what? The devil's what? Workshop. That's right. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. It's true. When do people get in trouble? When they have too much time on their hands. That's when people get into trouble. But when we stay busy, we have less time to get in trouble. So what are the things we should stay busy with? Paul says that we should prepare ourselves in the Gospels. Read the Bible. Memorize the scripture. Live what you are reading. Always be prepared to share Christ. I want you guys to think about this with me. How many years have you had a Bible? How many years have you had a Bible? For some of you, you can say, well, I've had a Bible 10 years. Or I've had a Bible 20 years. I want you to think about this with me. Why is it that we don't know more of the Bible? Why don't we have more of it memorized? Why haven't we read through the Bible more often? I don't, I, I don't want to make you feel guilty and bear that guilt all the time. But I want to motivate you to read through the scriptures... God wants us to read through the scriptures and read through the scriptures and keep reading through the scriptures so that we begin to say not our opinion about things in this world, but we begin to share God's word in light of the things that our friends and families are going through. That our response to things that happen in this world are not, oh, oh. This is horrible. Who are we going to vote for in this election? Oh, we have no one to vote for in this election. We have all these losers. Oh, our nation is going to go to pot. No, no, we should be saying God still sits on the throne. Amen. Amen. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or think. We're going to pray to our God. It doesn't matter who gets elected into office. God is God and we have a job to do no matter who's in the office we still have to tell people about Jesus amen whoever gets elected to office we're still going to pray for the sick right whoever gets elected to office we're still going to send out missionaries we're still going to tell people about Jesus we're still going to host a healing service God's still going to heal the sick amen And God sits on his throne. We don't have to worry about these things. But you know what? If we get all caught up in what television and media is telling us and all the people at work, then we're going to, oh, you're right, Pastor. Woe is us. Woe is us. The world is falling apart. No, the world is not falling apart. Well, yes, the world is falling apart. That's correct. But Jesus reigns on the throne. And no matter what happens in our life, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We are more than conquerors through what Jesus has done for us. And God is going to work all things together for good for those who are called according to his purposes in your life. No matter what happens in this world, God will work for you. Because you're his child And he loves you. And we have hope in Jesus Christ. We have protection in Jesus Christ. We don't have to be as the world is. The world is in turmoil. The world does not know what is going on. What happened to America? We are going down the toilet, right? Well, maybe that's all part of what God's plan is so that people will turn to Jesus and receive Him as personal Savior so that they will spend eternity with God. We have to be the bearers of hope. We have to be the bearers of the good news. Amen? And the only way that's going to happen is if you read this book and you come to this house and you worship God and you learn and you grow. Paul said... Be prepared in this gospel so that when people come and ask questions or they want to know about Jesus or they want to know about election time, we are prepared to give them an answer of hope. Not our opinion, right? Not who they should vote for, but we should give them Jesus. Amen? So this is what Paul was talking about. That we need, write this down, studying God's word, fitting it into our daily routine... That's going to keep us out of Satan's playground. And that's going to equip us to share our faith with the world. So please make a commitment to me that you're going to read God's word. And I know you can't go back and make up for lost time, but you can do this. From this day forward, you can be more consistent reading God's word. I've heard it said once like this. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, all right? Okay, so how do you read through the whole Bible? One day at a time, okay? One day at a time. What is the shield of faith? Probably by now you're noticing that all of this armor is defensive. Satan's really working hard. He's shooting a lot of arrows at us, isn't he? Well, it's true. Our armor is defensive. Satan is attacking, assaulting, harassing. So we have to be very, very careful... That we're not retaliating against our co-workers. We're not taking all of these attacks out on our loved ones, the people around us. Our fight is not with man. It is against the spiritual hosts of wickedness. So how does the shield of faith protect us? By living out your faith. So I'm going to give an example and I, I always i am so concerned about our teenagers. Teenagers, I just want you to know that I, your pastor prays for you, okay? Young adults and teenagers, listen. The best testimony is a boring testimony. Okay? The best testimony is a boring testimony. Please, that does not take away anything uh, away from our friends who have come to faith and God has delivered them from drugs and God has delivered them from a a terrible life, okay, that takes nothing away from them. God wants to deliver them. He wants to give them eternal life. But when we know Christ from the time we're children, we must follow him and keep ourselves pure. In, In doing so, we may feel like, well, I don't have a testimony, right? Let me just tell you something. God has saved you. You are walking by faith. And God is giving you the shield of faith, and that faith will protect you. And as you get older, you won't have to go through many of the things that our brothers and sisters, even in this church, have had to, on, had to go through. The life of regrets, the things that they wish they could go back and do all over again. You don't have to go through any of that. The counseling that they have to go through. Many times the deliverance that they have to go through. You don't have to go through any of that. When you follow by God, it protects us like uh, it protects us like a shield. Teenagers, stay pure and holy, and honor God. Stay sexually pure. Stay away from students that will bring you down, and resist temptation. When we live this way, it is as a shield to us. What is the helmet of salvation? I just chose a a, a football helmet. Uh, But it protects our minds. Now this is getting a little more specific. The enemy is going to attack our mind. He's going to discourage you, yes. But his goal is to put doubts in your mind concerning the faith. Doubts in your mind. That's why it's called the helmet of salvation. As new believers... When we sin, Satan has this name. Write this down. He is called the accuser of the brethren. And so when you make a mistake, you're a new believer, you're going to make mistakes. You're a new believer, you're going to sin, okay? So here's what Satan does. A real Christian wouldn't have said that. You're not a real Christian. A real Christian wouldn't have done that. You're not a real Christian. You're probably not even saved. You're probably going to hell. That's what Satan does to us. He is the accuser of the brethren. He wants you to feel like you're not even a Christian. But the helmet of salvation, it protects us. Write this down. Your salvation protects you from the lies of the enemy. First... You weren't saved because all of a sudden you stopped doing bad things and started doing good things. Good things don't save us. What saves us is Jesus. Jesus saved you. He died on the cross for your sins. And he purchased salvation and he gave it to you. And all you have to do is put it on And it will protect you. What happens if we do sin, though, pastor? Sometimes I do sin and I do feel guilty. If you sin, God has made provision. Now, I need you to listen closely. Do not sweep your sins under the proverbial rug. Do not do that. Do not cuss and then say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. No, confess your sins. 1 John 1, 9... If we confess our sins, then we are. he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All includes all sins. Okay, he is faithful and just. He wants to forgive you, but you cannot do this. You get in a fight with your spouse and you say, you idiot, you dirtbag, you loser. That's why you got fired, because you're a loser. Listen, if you say that, oh, my word. First of all, you should never talk to your spouse like that or your kids. But if you do, you can't say, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. No, you need to get on your knees and you need to say to God, forgive me for that. That was wrong. I repent. I'm not going to do that anymore. That is confession. That's what God will forgive. But if you do this, oh, I'm sorry. God, forgive me you're not even going to be forgiven. You can can mouth the words, forgive me, and God knows if it's real or not. What God forgives, church, is (laughs) repentance. Then He forgives you. Then He gives you power to overcome that so you don't degrade your spouse, and you don't degrade your children, and you don't degrade people. And you don't sin like that anymore. When you sin... Confess your sins to God. Is everybody with me? On your knees. God, I should have never done that. I should have never said that. Then the accuser of the brethren will flee from you. He will flee. He will run away. Your salvation is your protection against the lies of the enemy. Next is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Bible. And the example that we have of using the sword of the Spirit is Jesus himself. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where he fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. At the end of his fasting, the enemy came to him and said and fasted him in three areas. He said to Jesus, after Jesus was very hungry, he said... Uh, Tempting Jesus to use his power to meet his own personal needs in his own timing. Jesus said, he said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Next, Satan took Jesus to the top of the temple and said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And Jesus said, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, where, are, where is Jesus getting all of these things that he's saying? The Bible. The, the Bible. If Jesus, the Son of God, had to use God's word against the enemy, what do you think we have to do? We must use God's word. It is powerful against the enemy. Satan showed Jesus all the kingdoms of this world and said, I will give you all of these if you fall down and worship me. Side note, he wouldn't have done that. Satan's a liar. If Jesus would have bowed down to worship him, Satan would have kicked him in the teeth. ...and said, sorry, I lied. Are you guys with me? Satan is a liar. You need to understand these things. And Jesus, all he said is... ...you shall worship the Lord your God... ...and him only shalt thou serve. Christian, when Satan comes against you... ...and he begins to attack your mind... ...we need to be knowledgeable... ...in the word of God so we can defeat him. So let me give you some practical examples. Let's say you go to the doctor... And you hear, you have a tumor. Satan immediately says to you, it's cancer, you're going to die. Okay? Christian, listen. Satan is a liar. Okay? So if Satan says to you, you're going to die, what does that mean? You're not going to die. Because he's a liar. Are you guys with me? That's the first thing he does. You have a tumor, it's cancer, you're going to die. That's how Satan works. But we are not to ignore him. Listen, don't, don't ignore the enemy. We are to resist him. And as Jesus taught us, we are to use the word of God. So let me give you some scriptures. Isaiah 53, 5. By his stripes I am healed. That's what you say. That's what you say. By Je- I have a tumor? Okay. By Jesus' stripes I am healed. I'm going to church and I'm going to have them lay hands on me and pray for me and I'm going to be healed. Are you with me, church? This is how we defeat the enemy. Psalm 107, 20. He sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from all their destructions. Psalm 118, 17. I will live And not die and proclaim what the Lord has done. This is how we engage in a battle. Amen? Amen. This is how we win a battle. Through quoting God's word out loud. You want to quote it out loud. Jesus did not say in his mind, Did you get that, Satan? I just told you off in my mind. Kristen, I'm just going to depart from the message for a moment and get on the high horse, all right? Church, we need to pray out loud. So much of this praying in our minds is really... the, The devil gets in there with your mind and twists you all up. You need to pray out loud. The Bible talks about the confession of our mouth is powerful, Let's start praying out loud. Let's get in our prayer closet. I'm not saying be obnoxious and at the breakfast table while everyone's trying to eat their Cheerios. You're out there praying so loud they can't even chew their Cheerios. No, go into your bedroom and get private and get up before everyone else gets up and pray and talk to God and pray out loud and, and praise Him out loud. Many of us, here's how we praise the Lord. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Oh, come on. Praise him. If you read the Psalms, none of that counts. All right. Mm. Did you get that with God? No, praise him. God, you are awesome. You are high and lifted up. There is no one like you, God. It's about time that the demons know that you have a Christian home. It's about time that you begin saying to God out loud, you are worthy. In this house, we praise you. In this house, you're welcome. Oh, the blood of Jesus is shed over this household. God protects this household. Amen? Amen. Pray to God. Let's speak to him out loud. Let's pray out loud. Let's praise him out loud. And then let's quote the scripture to the enemy when he attacks us out loud. That was free today. I will not charge anything extra for that. Okay, praying. As a new Christian, you must pray. Okay, here's what we think. Here's what we think. I'm a new Christian and I love this church. I just love it. I love these new songs. I don't know what they're saying, but I love them. I love them. I just love coming here. Everyone's so kind and loving. And so here's what we think. If I come to this church by osmosis, by sitting in this service, I'm going to get stronger in Jesus. Not going to happen. All right? Not going to happen. You're going to feel good, you're going to feel God's presence, you're going to worship Him, and that's good. You are to commune with the Lord. Will it help you? It'll help you feel better, okay? It's not really going to help you much. When you hear the Word of God, it's going to challenge you. That's going to help develop you some. But here's what you need. You need to communicate with God yourself, okay? Write that down. Nothing can take the place of you communicating to God. Now, do you need to come to church? You're commanded to come to church. You are commanded to come and gather with brothers and sisters of Christ of like faith and worship God together. Yes, you should. Should you hear a message? Yes, you should. But listen, prayer, nothing can take the place of prayer. You need to pray to God and fully Unburden your heart. Listen, when you're in that prayer closet and you're telling God, this is what's going on in my life and I'm super concerned and I've got this problem at work, and and you begin to unburden your heart, listen, that's partially psychological. God is helping you. Whenever you can unpack your burdens and your cares, that helps you mentally, okay? So it is a wonderful thing that God does when we pray. Next, you need to confess your sins. Don't sweep them under the rug. Confess them to God. You need to ask God for his help. <clears throat> Do you know God wants to help you? And many times, we just won't tell him what we need. When, when you read, read the Gospels. If you have not been reading through the Gospels, and uh, if you're on a track to read through the Bible, keep doing that. That's great. If you're not on a track to read the Bible, read the Gospels. Almost every time you find Jesus healing someone, he says, what do you want me to do for you? He's looking at a blind man. He knows what he needs to do, right? And he knows what he needs to do for you, too. But you need to tell him. Is everybody with me? You need to tell him what it is that you want. Why? Because he's your father and he wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to remember that it came from him, not you. Right? It came from him, not you. So that's why you pray to God. Next, you need to share your concerns and your fears and your requests for Jesus' intervention. Because God, write this down, God desires a relationship with you. And that relationship takes place in prayer. Amen? Amen? Well, as you can tell in your notes, we're heading towards the finish line. Praying in the Spirit. If you are new here, you have heard us praying in the Holy Spirit. What is that? We are praying in tongues. That is a language that we do not understand, but God does. Write this down somewhere in the margin. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 explains about being filled with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of tongues... The gift of prophecy and many other gifts. Praying in the Spirit. They'll write this down. Praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues edifies us and builds us up. Okay, in Ephesians, it does not explain that praying in the Spirit equals praying in tongues. But that is explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I believe it's verse 5. It explains that when you pray in the Spirit, you are praying in tongues. Paul was challenging them, you need to pray in the Spirit. And somebody here today needs to hear this, because you're beat down, you're not hopeful, you're discouraged. Paul says, pray in the Spirit. Satan cannot stand it when we pray in the Spirit. When we pray in tongues, the enemy is quickly defeated. So I want to challenge you, step out in faith, And use this powerful weapon to destroy the works of the enemy. Okay, let's return to the concept of standing. Because it really does not make much sense to us. When we think of winning, and we think of losing, we think of offense and defense. And we think, well, a good defense is good, but let's face it. Defense doesn't put points on the board. How can we put points on the board if we're just standing on defense? Well, Christian, you have to understand this. Christ has already won the battle. Christ has already put the points on the board. You don't have to fight. You just have to stand. Notice, it never says this. Cut down the enemy with the sword and shred him with your mad skills. Be a ninja for Jesus. I am going to destroy you. Okay? doesn't say that. It just says stand. Now, here's what, you, here's what you have to understand. As a new believer, listen, why does it say stand? Because here's the typical response of a new believer when life comes unglued and Satan really brings harm against the new believer. Here's what we do. I just can't take it. See you later. Sorry, I can't can't come back to this church. And instead of standing, what we do is we just walk away. We just fall down and crumple up. Here's what the Lord is telling us. Stand strong. No matter what the enemy is throwing at you, just stand there. Be strong because I've won the battle. And once this wind and this attack blows over, you will be strong. You will see that I won the battle for you. Amen? I'm going to invite our worship team, if you would please come up at this time. Write this down, church. Exodus 14, 13. The scripture says, Stand and see the deliverance of the Lord. God wants you to know that He is the one who delivered you. He is the one who saved you. Listen, is there times when we are going to go through life and maybe lose our job midlife? Maybe. 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 And what is it all about? It's about God teaching you and reminding you that He is sovereign God. And He wants you to trust in Him. You don't need a job. You need God. He is your source. He can give you another job. He can give you a better job. Amen? We must stand and see the deliverance of the Lord. 2 Corinthians twenty seventeen. You will not fight in this battle. Stand still and see the salvation of your God. Christian, it is finished. Amen. Jesus has already done the work on the cross. You don't have to fight. Let God do the fighting for you. Romans 12, 19 reminds us, Do not avenge yourselves, for it is written, Vengeance is mine I will repay. God does not want you to get even with that person who's coming against you. He does not want you to do that. That is not his ways. Are you with me? And he tells you, you back off. I'll take care of it. Church, are you with me? Don't you do it. Don't you do it. If you might need to pray about it, you might really need to pray about it. But don't you take vengeance and don't you degrade them. If your enemy right there tells us we're going to have enemies... If your enemy is hungry, you need to feed him. If he's thirsty, you buy him a Diet Coke. All right? If doing so, you're going to heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So new believers, new believers, be aware of Satan's tricks. Keep these sermon notes with you. Put them in the Bible. Put them in the Bible. Because these are going to be very valuable to you. And remember, don't get entangled with gossip and backbiting and family fighting and ripping and tearing one another apart. Let God deal with it. Bring your cares to Him. Pray to Him. He will take care of it. You must do the right thing. You have to pray. You have to wait on God until He takes care of it. You have to quote scripture, but remember this, the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? Amen. The battle belongs to the Lord. I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. We want to give you an opportunity to know him as personal Savior. So if you're sitting anywhere from our middle aisle over towards this piano side, you need Jesus as your personal Savior. You need to make a commitment to him. I'm going to ask that you to raise your hand high enough so I can see it. And we're going to pray with you. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? I need Jesus as my personal Savior. Maybe you're sitting in the balcony. I need to know Jesus, Pastor. I'm not, I haven't been serving him. I need to. Is there anyone? Maybe you're seated the opposite side in the lower section. I need to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. Is there anyone in our balcony? I need Jesus today, Pastor. I haven't been serving Him. Church, will you pray? I I just sense in my heart there's a battle going on Someone needs to make a commitment to Christ today. And they're hanging in the balances. We're going to wait just for a moment. But if that's you, would you just respond? It's me, Pastor. I haven't been serving God. But I will. I'm going to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Everyone has made a commitment to you. Everyone is born again in this room. And God, I ask for your power and your strength that we may serve you with all of our heart. Help us not to lean to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, may we acknowledge you and you will direct our path. In Jesus' name, let me invite you to stand.